This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 108 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast. Brought to you in association with Sport Social, the UK's only dedicated sport podcast network, and also Fanatics. Uh, before we before we kick off this week's show, I'm delighted to say that um, one of our, our other, other friends, should we say, over at Beer 52, have been in touch, and they have really, really nice of them. Have said before Christmas, our listeners can have a little bit of a little bit of a treat, uh, which I'm I'm delighted about. For those of you like like uh, like your beer, um, and what they've said is, if you basically go onto our link, which is www.beer52.com forward slash Trinity, um, you can basically get a free a free case of craft beer with an extra two bottles thrown in, just for the cost of, of your postage, which is five pound ninety five. Um, so if you sign up with them using our link, uh, you get that first that first case for that particular price. It's a couple of extra bottles. You also get snacks in a magazine with it as well, which is which is even better. So fantastic for for our listeners, you know, just before Christmas to to get a few a few bottles in for when the family are coming around on on Christmas Day, or to enjoy watching the blues, or even better listening to our show. Um, so that's available for yourselves. www.beer52.com forward slash Trinity, five pound ninety five postage. Pick your beers. If you don't like dark beer, you can select light, light beer, and you can also cancel the membership at any time. Um, and it's probably it's not a bad not a bad time to sign up really because Everton have put in a bit of a shift today, which is has been it's quite novel after what we've seen over the last the last few weeks. We've all we've all been to the uh, to the game today. Our guest Phil Haywood is back on. Um, Lee's Lee's off his, his dad's his, Lee's dad's come for the first time in a little while, so he's off having the Having a Sunday roast, so Phil's on the show, which is which is fantastic for us to have Phil back on. And Phil, it's fair to say that Everton today have, have put in a bit of a shift, haven't they? 
Most definitely. Firstly, thanks very much again for, for having me on. But yeah, you, you're totally right. I think I put a tweet out this morning. I had a feeling, I think it was in the air this morning. I just had a feeling about um, we were going to get something, a positive result. It wasn't, you know, being on us going to win. But I just thought, you know, um, we needed to stop the rot um, with the performance. Um, again, to be fair, I was listening to you guys um, after the Wolves game on the podcast and, you know, about confidence being shot. And, and you know, we need this reaction from the players now. There's too many times where... Um, Players have come out in, in the press and, and you know and on social media and, and said you know it's not good enough. Um, I, I think now, um, I think now basically, uh, they have, they have to stand up and be counted really because uh, the fans. I think there's a bit a lot of disconnect with the fans and, and the team. Um, and I just I think I've been calling for the last couple of games. Um, I think as fans. Uh, we can do our part, you know. We, we know the the team aren't playing, you know, fantastically well. There's lots of chops and changes in the team, but I think as fans, um, they're still wearing the royal blue. Um, if we can do our part and get behind them, which I thought the fans were terrific today, as well as the players, um, from the from the get go, really. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really positive performance. You're totally right there in what you're saying. I mean, I, I was I was in the same camp and, and I said it after the, the Watford game, like many people did. You know, we, we want to see, we want to see a reaction. Mm-hmm. We want to see that the players actually care because, you know, the, the last last couple of weeks have been absolutely horrific. Um, that Wolves first half was up there with the, with the Watford game for me. Um, and obviously we, we, we were pleading really with the manager to, to go to a midfield three and we see him set up today with... With Fabian Delph, uh, Alan, and and Andre, uh, Andre Gomez, and Josh Townsend in a in a more central area, he was sort of at the top of the, of the three, if you like, wasn't he? Uh, a bit alien to him, to be fair, you know. And at times he was going wide and what have you, but uh, it certainly helped Pete, didn't it? And it was it was great to see that that actually worked, and it gives you a little bit of hope going into the next few fixtures that if we play that way, we can get something from those games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I, I think. After both the, the the Watford and the Wolves game, you know there was some frustrations maybe with with Rafa persisting with a certain system or style of play that it felt you know for a, a lot of fans, a lot of Evertonians, it just didn't seem to be working at all. And I think when I saw the team sheet, I think Sky had us up as like a four four two. You should have seen the face on me going down to the game. I was thinking, right, you know, this is it, two three nil Spurs. You know, Conti three four three. It'll be really similar to Wolves. They'll be getting in between the lines. Um, you know, why isn't he learn? And I've got to say, it, it was a shock. It, it was like getting in a time machine and and going back about three or four matches. You know, we 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 seem like that sort of Everton again. That, uh, like Phil said, could get the fans on side by doing the basics, being organised, fighting. You know, using the ball well. Um, it was almost like a like a four one four one, but it, it really suited us because it allowed us to press, as you, as you say. So Delph almost sort of sat back because he's not got the legs to press, and either one of Allen or Andros Townsend would sort of come out um, and support with Charlison, and either um, Gordon on the right or Damari uh, Gray, Damari Gray on the left with the pressing. And Spurs didn't know how to handle us for forty five minutes. I felt. Um, and I think we did everything other than uh, than score. And I, I, for me, for me as well, I have to say Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey really seem to have um, 
well, at least today, at least found a way of playing together. I thought Michael Keane was outstanding for me. Yeah. I, thought he, I thought he was brilliant. Um, and they, I noticed they'd swap sides. So Godfrey would normally play on that left, wouldn't he, next to Luca Dean? And it looks like they've made a bit of a tactical shift and um, Godfrey was on the right next to Coleman. But it, it, it really seemed to work. So for, for me, I hope it's a sign of things to come because if we play like that every week, you know, we're, we're going to win games um, and we're going to get the fans on side. And we played a lot of good football today and I thought we were really, really unlucky to only come away with a point. What Was it a simple case, Phil, do you think of? I mean, like like Pete said then, you know, we, we obviously were a lot, a lot brighter. Um, the, the change that were made obviously really helped. And, and, and I thought sitting there watching it, especially especially uh, in that first half when we had a bit more of the ball than we're, than we're used to really, that we had a little bit more of a cutting edge you know, and this is this is no slight on anyone on the pitch today, by the way. It's just needed a little bit more, didn't we? A little bit more on the break. Uh, obviously, maybe Dom in there up top. Uh, then, then we could have really, you know, if you're a little bit more, uh, a little bit more cutting edge, we could have gone away with, with the three points and, and you couldn't have really begrudged be us that, could you, to be perfectly honest? No, you, you spot on, Mike. Um, I think the first 20, 25 minutes, I thought the intensity, the way we were passing, everything was aggressive. Um, you know, Delph was the pivot, always looking to play forward. Um, we were busy, Andres Townsend, um, like you were saying, Alan, um, press alongside with Charleston. I thought, can we keep this? Can we keep this up um, for, for the for the first half? I think after half an hour, um, I wouldn't say Tottenham got back into it. I just thought Tottenham slowed the game down a little bit. Um, kept it a little bit more in their own half at their own pace because I thought the game in the first half was mostly played in their half um, until like the very last I think it was the last part when I think Regulon hit one over and mm. I think Kane crossed it in and that was the only threat they had I think the game was played predominantly in, in Spurs' half um, but like you said if we had that um, like that Calvert-Lewin there or you know that 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 outlet someone could hold that ball up because I thought with Charleston um, I thought Special mentioned to him, I thought he was outstanding today. Um, as a centre forward, I thought he ran his socks off. He was clever. He wasn't just lying on the floor. And there was times he did get bumps. He shot straight back up. He was at times he was jeering the crowd on with, with his hands. He was, you know, um, taking the mick out of them when they were going down. I just thought it was a very, very, very um, confident and reassuring first half performance, really. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, it certainly got the got the crowd on side, and you mentioned the crowd before, Phil, in terms of you know how the crowd were up today, and and I thought even early on, I think that the crowd were trying to get behind get behind the teams we've not seen in in recent weeks. You know, we, we we've seen complaints uh, from fans that you know Goodison Park is certainly not what it used to be in terms of making it a really really difficult place to come with the crowd on on top of the on top of the pitch on top of the players. Um, but today, I think we saw a bit of a, a return to that. And, that, and that stemmed from what the players were given. You know, you could see the players were were putting that shift in. They were putting the foot in. There was little niggly fouls along the way. It, it helped the, um, especially first half, the likes of Son and Regalon are on the floor quite often, moaning and whinging about little little things. And I thought, I mean, we're going, we're going to discuss the the key refereeing decisions shortly. But I thought the referee was absolutely atrocious. Take take out out of the equation. You know, the major talking points, I thought he was absolutely awful. I think little things that he was given, things that he wasn't given uh, when it came when it came to the world were, were really, really poor. But that's something that we're seeing week in, week out with the Premier League officials. I think they're, they're probably the worst in Europe. I think they're so poor 
Um, but I think that really helped, you know, and obviously Son, Son playing for, for Spurs. I've just been said to said to the two of you then about me. I've just been on been on a Spurs podcast, literally got it got in, and I was on the Spurs po- Spurs podcast for half an hour, and they mentioned the the Son situation and and the booing and things like that. And I tried to explain to them, listen, you know, you, you've you've got to go back to the Andre Gomez leg break situation, and I said there's this narrative around Son that he's this lovely fella. You know, he's so nice. He wouldn't harm a fly, and they were saying, "Oh, he was crying afterwards." And yeah, but that's because he knows that in that moment he saw red. He chased after Andre Gomez, and it led to him breaking his leg. You know, and it's unfortunate if, if at the time Gomez didn't break his leg. It's just a free kick. Nothing gets said about it really. But that happened. The injury happened, and that's why there's so much sort of bad blood when it comes to when it comes to Son. And I think that impacted him today. I think. The, the crowd was on his back early on. The players, Seamus Coleman probably especially, was on his back. Godfrey, there was that situation, wasn't there, in the first half where he was down and, and Godfrey pretty much kicking him in the ribs and, and then Coleman waves in as well. And, you know, I think that stems from what happened a couple of years ago and there's a lot of, a lot of bad taste, really, uh, between the, the two sets of players. But I think it really helped to get the fans up. And it was good to see, wasn't it, Peter, to hear the, 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 the crowd react, hear the crowd you know, get behind the lads, and and I think that probably really helped things today again, and probably give gave the players an extra extra few percent at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. As you say, that the game ended up taking on a maybe a couple of additional elements that you know really lifted the, the the home fans. But I think going back to what Phil was saying, you know, if you do the basics, the fans will always get behind you. At Goodison Park, if you're organised, if you fight, if you're fit, if you work hard. You always get a response, always. And I, I think sometimes the reason it can become quite a f- frustrating place or it can become a bit quiet sometimes is that there have been a lot of really bad performances in the past 12, 18 months for Everton. There's been a, a handful of performances that just are not good enough. Um, you know, we used the word thing indefensible after the Watford game. So you know, I think people have to have to take that into account. Yeah, you always want to support the football club, but I think there have been a few performances where it's been hard to do that because it's been so bad. Um, and I just felt today, you know, we got it really right. I thought we were, we were really on it. We we're really up for it. You looked at our team sheet, and uh, you know, like you said, Mike, you know, not to go in on on any particular players, but you look at the team sheet and say that you know, there's not an amazing amount of quality there. You look at Spurs team sheet. You know, look at the players they've got. And I thought we, I thought we were the, the, the better team for 19 minutes. I thought we were really unfortunate not to score. And, um, you know, Spurs took a really defensive approach to the game. And I think the more the game went on, the more happy they were just to cling on to a point. Just, sorry, Mike, just on that piece, um, you, you spot on absolutely, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think the last 12, 18 months has been absolutely, you know, atrocious. As in, like, I think as a club and a disconnect. I think Evan have lost their identity with the likes of, you know, big name players or big or players on big money, where you look at Andros Townsend, Damari Gray, the players we have bought in the season will run, they'll still run now, they'll run home. You know, they're that type of honest players, you know, who that's I say to my mom, I say Andros Townsend talks with his hands. He's very much clapping. He's very much like to the players, thumbs up. I think with an honest approach, it works both ways with the fans and the players. You know, the fans will, as you said, Pete, will always back the players who will who will 
you know, work for this club. And that's where I think we've lost our, or our identities kind of gone wishy-washy with, with players who haven't really bought into us. Where you, you hear Andros Townsend now seeing how big Everton is. And we know not many London lads work when they come, you know, come come to Everton. And he's really taken to us. And I think Damari Gray got better as the game went on. He seen more of them on that left-hand side going towards the Gladys Street. Um, but it, it definitely works both ways. And the fans will always back the players, no matter what, if they can see, not just a 10-minute period across the whole game, that they're there, that their attitude's spot on. You know, um, you know, I, I was, to be fair, I was expecting when Fabian Delft got substituted, a bit of a groans. But I think as a sensible fan base, you've got to kind of protect him as well. He's not played a lot of football in a long time. Um, but I just thought everyone was together today. It, was, it, it felt like an old David Moyes Sunday afternoon, four o'clock game, you know, after playing in Europe on the Thursday and all the fans were together. It was a really, because it was a nil-nil, it was a good nil-nil, I thought, you know, on our perspective, because I thought Tottenham, like you've seen, I thought they were terrible, if I was honest. A bit like what we've been. I didn't think more of that much. Son, I just didn't think the, I didn't even think Pickford made a save unless they did the post, I think, but I think that's that's all. I wasn't even, I wasn't even afraid when they got corners. And I, I must I must have been not feeling very well, but like, I wasn't even worried when they got corners. They did not offer anything. So that I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the set piece situation always leaves me a little bit a little bit nervous. Yeah. He didn't have many corners to be fair, did he? So it wasn't there wasn't many occasions when he thought, so oh, here we go. Um, but obviously late, late on, where after okay, after yeah. the half, you know, there's a little bit of pressure for, yeah. for four or five minutes, wasn't he? Thought and they hadn't they hadn't long at the post, and he thought, don't throw this away because for me it's a big it's a big point. And people might laugh at that and say, you know, we should have gone for all three. And so all intents and purposes, listen, you know, we were, we were trying to win the game. We just didn't have, as I said earlier, on that cutting edge to try and win the game. But well, I think... It, the, it stops it, the rock, Mike, doesn't it? Three well, defeats. It's massive. It's massive that. And especially going into international break, you don't want to be going in on the back of four defeats on the spin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to come back and play Man City. You know, it's just not what you want to, what you want to be doing. So to stop the rock, to get a clean sheet... I think to look pretty defensively secure. I thought, you know, Godfrey, Godfrey and Keane, I thought were exceptional today. I thought that's the best that they played together, which is which is excellent to see. Um, Luca Dean, I thought played well defensively. Um, Seamus Coleman did his usual his usual job. It just looked, looked all that more secure because of the fact that they had three men in midfield, Everton. Um, and we look we look pretty solid, and and we just looked said at our time. So you, Peter, and I just look a bit more organised than than what we've done done in previous weeks, and, and we weren't getting overran as such. And you know, there was one of those one of those games. I think we'll look back on, and and we'll we'll see how important that point actually was uh, in in the grand scheme of things. But in the game, there was probably two major talking points, which obviously we, we, we've got to we've got to talk about. Um, and I'm interested to hear both your thoughts on on these. The first one being the penalty incident with with Richardson and, and Hugo Lloris. So the penalty is awarded by the referee. Um, personally speaking, I was in the top balcony and my eyes are terrible, and I was at the I was at the far end by the park end, and I said straight away it's not a penalty. I said straight away it's not a penalty. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Phil, on that? Because did, do you agree? With a decision to overturn the penalty? Well, I'm in the main stand, right in the middle by the halfway line, right diagonally. Uh, when Alan plays that ball in, I thought it was more of a foul on Gordon. I think he got a little bump before it went into the box. 
and then it bounced to Richarlison. From my angle, I thought he got a, a huge glove onto it. From I've not seen it again, apart from the little clips of the thing. There's a clip going around, but I actually thought he got the ball, Loris, a good hand. But I thought it was more of a, a foul on Gordon, the bump just just before that goes to Richarlison. Um, but as soon as he, he he stood on the edge of the boxes, he was adamant it was a penalty. But then straight away, he didn't he didn't even like. He didn't. He just stood there at the edge of the box and had his hand next to his ear, like literally straight away. Mm. So I said to the to the guy next to us, I said, "These never get given when they go to the screen." I said, "It's never a penalty. It won't be a penalty because when they go to the screen, they always change their mind, always." So I wasn't that excited when he. Um, I was excited for about a second or two once he pointed to the spot, and then on the edge of the box when he's playing with his ear, I thought this isn't going to get given. But I, I originally thought before. The penalty, it was more of a foul on Gordon. If you've watched it again, he, I think Gordon gets a little bump in the back, which allows it to go to Richardson. But from my angle, it looked like he got a big clean hand. But from what I've seen on Twitter, it, I think the ruling was one of the guys on in on there was saying he does get a touch, Loris, on an angle. But just because you got a touch of a part of your body doesn't mean it's a touch. I think if you if you get a touch of your back and it's or, or the back of your hand or whatever, or he hasn't meant to touch it. With the with the part of the body, he's the referee's deemed that he's touched it with. If that makes sense, um, if you go with your hand and you clear of your hand, I think that's fair enough. But I think he touches it with, you know, he hasn't meant to touch it, kind of thing. He's caught for Charles from first, but yeah. from my first uh, angle, I thought no, it wasn't a penalty. And what what are your thoughts, Peter? And, and I'm going to wade in in a second with mine, by the way, because I'm I'm chomping up a bit here with this. But what <laughs> what are your thoughts on on the incidents and was it or wasn't it a penalty? Well, I mean, first off, I'm I'm low down in the paddock, just to the right hand side of the halfway. So my view of it was would have been from behind Richarlison, and it looked like a stone wall from <laughs> from where I, I I was sat. But I mean, I've I've got two two thoughts on it. So one, obviously, I've seen the replays after um, it, in the highlights, and you, you can see that Luis maybe gets a slight touch with his hand on the ball. But I think, well, number one. He sort of come from from behind to get that touch, mm-hmm. you know. And if that was any other part of his body, is that is that not a foul? And two, the referee stops play to give the penalty. I think why not just wait to to, to play the advantage, let the let the play unfold, then give the penalty, and then look at the screen when the ball's gone out of play, or you know when it, it it's sort of no longer in a like an acute attacking position. The fact that the the point he blows the whistle. Richarlison's sort of gone to the corner of the box, turned around, stood up. Luis is, you know, off his line. They could potentially bend that in or find the pass for an easy side foot. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for me, that when VAR overturned that decision, it, it's then like a drop ball or they're giving the ball that, back. Yeah. That um, irritated me. I didn't understand that. Yeah, when we were in, when we were in possession. So I, I just think it was really poorly managed. Um and I mean, I don't know whether that's like a VAR thing or whether, you know, again, it, it's just part of um, Chris Kavanagh having a, a really bad day. Um, first thing I said to me, mate, when I left the stadium was he's going to be referring in the championship next week because he was awful today. I just, I felt like at no point did he have control of the game. Um, and I, I think lots, lots of key decisions he, he either got wrong or he managed them poorly. And I think the penalty was one of them. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you with the penalty there. I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not too concerned, by the way, that he, it was overturned. I, I think if that's us and that's Jordan Pickford, I'm saying he stood the ball with his hand, so it's not a penalty. That's my opinion. I understand, obviously. I mean, another mind, he came out and he said, you know, um, if that's in the middle of the park, then it's it's given us a free kick. But you have a hard job to see. Um, if you've got a reason in the middle of the park, using his hand to tackle, to tackle a player. But I, 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 get his, I get his point. But what I would say, like you said then, Pete, it's what happens after. So Richardson's straight back up. That says to me, he knows, first of all, that the keeper's got the ball. But secondly, he wants to put the ball back of the net. So as they're, as they're referee there, let it play out. You can always go back and go, oh, yeah, I'm giving a penalty there. Give it two or three more seconds and see if we score a goal. Because then there's no decision to make then. You've scored the goal. End, end the story. And that's what the problem was for me with the referee in that situation. He's just... And he took a little bit of time, I think. It wasn't as if he'd just gone, bang, penalty. It, it wasn't a quick decision in the grand scheme of things. He was quite slow giving it. Um, but just let the play go for a couple more seconds and then we see what happens and then make it go, oh yeah, I'm giving a penalty obviously, like you said, Phil once once he starts touching his ear or, and going the monitor, you know what's coming but this was the same referee, by the way, wasn't it who, when we got a penalty at Anfield last season he went to the monitor and still gave the penalty, didn't he? if you remember rightly oh, yeah, so, yeah. so it's the same referee so, you know, he, he didn't overturn it last time um, so he's got history of not doing that. So whether that's, uh, I think it was our, our mate uh, Mike Grundy said on, on on Twitter before, whether because now he did that last season, that that's the one, that's the one gone. So he's, he's got to now obviously uh, reverse the penalty. But I think personally speaking, I'm not too fussed about him overturning the penalty. I understand why it was. If that's Everton, if that's Pickford, I'd be saying he's got the ball. My concern is let the play go on, let it go on, and see what happens. But you spot on, mate, because what's so frustrating again, I think about five, ten minutes after that, Song goes through and it gets played and the Lions and then puts his flag up late, you know, because they've got to let it run through. Why not just do that with the penalty? If he's got back up, and you know, the referee, he's telling the referee then that maybe the keeper did get a touch to it. Let it see out if he scores, if he hits it over, you can then come back and go out of play or whatever. But the, when it's for offsides, they let it run, don't they? And then they put the flag up, like because someone will get hit on one of them soon. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the offsides is a farce. I mean, you, you see every single time. I know Everton players are up saying, "What are you doing? Put the flag up straight away." And they don't do it. They've been told yeah. not to do it. They're operating on instruction. But it's the worst thing in the world, especially when it's clear. I understand if it's if it's a borderline or a tight offside, you let it run and get that. Yeah. I understand it. When it's not though, and he's clearly a yard or two offside. Just throw your flag up straight away. Just put your flag up and let's get on with the game. Um, but we get the penalty. The penalty one was a, a strange one, but the bigger issue for me is the fact that he didn't let the game run to see what would happen, and that that's the frustration. And I know Richardson has put something out on Instagram, basically indicating he, he thought it was a penalty. I don't think he, he thought it was a penalty at the time. I'll be honest, because he just played on. Um, but the second big incident, big incident, was. Mason Holgate red card. Now, again, for me, at the time, I thought, oh, good tackle that. And then you think, mm, but was it though? Because there was a follow through. Um, and then when, when obviously his yellow card was then reversed, again, another look at the screen from the referee, there was no argument from Mason Holgate. Again, I think he thought he knew it was a red card. But what, what I would say is, what, what, what's your thought, Phil, on 
his performance today, Mason Holgate, because he's come on for about five minutes. He's lost the ball about two or three times and fallen over in the middle of the park and let, and let Tottenham break. And he's been sent off. That, that, that sort of encapsulates his highlight of the game today. What are your thoughts? Did you think it was a bit, was a bit of a strange substitution at the time as well? 100%. I thought, I thought when Delft went off initially, I thought, oh, Tottenham will be made up with that. That might, you know, raise their performance now because he, everything was played through Fabian Delft. Alan, I don't know if you saw his reaction when he came off. He was surprised. He was a bit disgruntled. He was putting his arms out to Rafa as he was, you know, shaking his hand or whatever, giving him a pat or whatever, just storming off and onto his seat. And when Holgate come on, it was almost like me, me there. He like walked on it, like strutted on. And I think he, he again, he, he was very slow. He was very, when the ball was coming to him, he wasn't aware anyone was around him. He thought he had all the time in the world. He turned straight into a play, I think skip, got tackled. Then about two or three minutes, later, five minutes later, he got tackled again, wasn't aware what was around him. Chewing his chewy as he does, but just like an arrogance about him, thinking like, he didn't seem like he warmed up properly. He just seemed as if me playing in the holding. I just don't. I didn't understand that sub. If I if I was totally honest, um, and that's a worry for me as well. How you know these are games. They're not like again. Just going back to the Wolves. I was there on Monday night, and I felt so sorry for Gabam. I know we spoke about this. I know you guys have on the podcast. I felt he was hung out to dry from 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 some of the the, the phrases you were using in a two there. And then obviously we, we Dell's played from the start of day, and then to play Holgate, obviously he's, he's tried it in training. Now he's red carded. If the core is back after the international, it's like he's given everyone a try, and that worries me. That that really worries me. It's like we haven't seen it, and it almost looked like from his performance that he hasn't seen it either. That yet maybe he hasn't worked on it in training because I just thought he was very cold. He was very lethargic, like. Bit of arrogance as well. Like he, I, I think he has that persona about his style of play. But like you said, Mike, his reaction to to it being overturned, I think he knew. And again, he's walked off. Not like I don't know. It was it was a very strange substitution. Very strange. And it, it's, I, he's never progressed for me, Holgate. And I, I, from comments of what I've heard and, and and in the Athletic and things like that, he had the opportunity to go to Brighton or Norwich, and he said he decided to stay. Is that you know, to fight for his place, um, which worries me because when you've got people like Mina, Michael Keane, Godfrey, I think sometimes he can, he, he's nowhere near that, by the way, in any position you're always, he's not a full-back, he's too small for a centre-half, I don't think he's ever going to progress at Everton, um, I don't know what you guys think on that. I think I think the concern with Holgate, I mean, the, the substitution today, yeah, it was strange, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, is it as Alan just ran himself into the ground because I thought he had a really good game today, Alan? He was he was everywhere. He was busy putting his foot in, you know, and and it was it was probably one of his better games over the last last few weeks. So as he just run himself into the ground, I, I understood the the Delft substitution because you know we he's been out for for you know a couple of months or so, and um, he played forty five against Wolves. He's done an hour today, so we quite clearly he's building Delft up on a button as well. Don't forget him, you know. That was nailed on. I caught that before before the game even started. There'd be a Delft booking today, um, so I understood that substitution. But I think the Allen Allen one, if you know, like you're saying there, if he was surprised to come off, obviously he feels okay physically. He's warm, of course, he is. He's in the game, so it's always baffling when that kind of substitute happens for someone who's not naturally a central midfielder. So Gabama must be sitting there going, "Why well, haven't I been brought on here?" You know, because people think that Holgate's always got this. 
a background of playing centre mid. I think he's played about a game and a half in centre mid for us, I think, all in all. So he doesn't really do it. He's played a lot more games at right back and, and centre half, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, m- massively, massively strange substitution for me. The, obviously, the manager knows why he's done it. Um, but as I say, it was one. It was a really, really poor performance. But what, what are your thoughts, Pete, on on that substitution and the, and the tackle by Holgate? Can, can you really have any kind of arguments about that? I think, like everyone in the stadium, I thought it was a strange change, especially when Gabamans on, on the bench, as you say. Um, I, I like Phil said he, he, he did. He looked surprised by it. He looked shocked. And positionally, when he came on, he didn't look comfortable. Lost the ball a couple of times, and, and that Lacelso chance that hits the post yeah. comes from Holgate yeah. losing the ball. And I think, look, if that goes in, we're all sat here fuming with him, saying that he's lost us the game. Um, I, you know, and maybe it's unfair to, to you know to blame the, cha- the the challenge on it as well. But just everything about his game, every time the ball came close to him, he he didn't look like he was acclimatised to the pace of the match or, you know, the job that he was meant to be doing. And when I first saw the the challenge, I didn't think it was that bad because, as you say, Mike, it was the follow-through that's probably got him the red. You know, initially it's just two players going for the ball, but then he brings the other leg in. Um, and, I, you know, I think in some ways with challenges like that, when you see them in slow motion, one, they look worse than they are, and I think two... There can be the assumption that a player's got more control that, than they have in the moment. I mean, it's it's a bad challenge. It's it it is a red, um, but not you know not for a minute do I think he's been daft enough to try and go in with two feet. And I think if you if you see, the, you know the, the the challenge in real time, you can see that he's gone in just to make a strong clearance, and then he's brought his other leg in. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can put a line under it. It's a bad day in the office, but I. I do agree with with Phil as well. I, I don't think he's got a long term future at Everton, and you think on some at so, on some level, he's going to be aware of that, isn't he? Um, and you wonder whether that's factoring a bit into his performances as well. You know, coming off the bench doing bit parts, you're not going to get a good standard of football out of him, are you? I think I think the manager's made it pretty clear in terms of his selection or lack of selection over the course of this season. I think the, the Wolves game was needs must, wasn't it, really? Because, you know, Luca Dean has an injury. Godfrey goes left back. And the only other player who we had available to play centre-half was Mason Holgate. Um, so that was needs must. But I think, yeah, the manager has made it clear he doesn't really see a future for Mason Holgate at the club. So I'll be very surprised if next summer he's still with us. Um, but when when he is getting game time, he's got he's to bring something to the table. At the end of the day, whether he's playing for us and he's got a future or whether he's going to be getting moved on he's, he's got to impress potential suitors and, and show what he what he can do and it was just a a, a nonsensical performance for in the the short period of time that he was on today and there was people uh, when he went off at the, at, at, at the game and they're clapping i'm shouting what are you clapping for what, what are you honestly clapping for he's come off for five minutes he's given the ball by three or four times he's fell over and he's, he's just been sent off and you're clapping it could cost us the game in the day, because we're under pressure, get a free kick about 30 yards out on the angle. It then leads to a corner, I think, doesn't it, as well, which we can't defend at the best of times. The pressure then for those four or five minutes that were left is, is ridiculous, and it, and it could have it could have seen us lose lose a point. And that's where you know being sensible and thinking has got to come in to, to certain players' mindset. Um, 
But you know, luckily it didn't cost us at the end of the day, and we've come away with with a nil-nil draw. Which, you know, looking back, we're probably satisfied with. I think both sides are probably satisfied with the draw. To be perfectly honest, I think it was a a mustn't lose game for both sides. I think Spurs, with with it being Conte's first league game, wouldn't want to have lost the game. Um, and obviously he's, he's got a, a big job on his hands to, to get his style of play running through that team and, and also with us we, we had to get something from the game because of what's come before and, and it's such a shame we couldn't have nicked a few points over the last sort of three or four weeks to put us you know in this in this international break in, in a much better position but it's what it is you've got to take the positives clean sheets haven't been beaten and and a performance that was full of, of gritted determination and, and like we said one that was maybe a bit of a throwback to to previous years and and Goodison Park back back to its best in terms of the how the fans reacted to the players and and, and how they pulled pulled the players through at times as well. Um, so it, it's good it's good to go into a, into another international break with with a half decent result after, after what's come before is what I'd what I'd probably say. Uh, but one player we not really spoke about is. It's Fabian Delph, and he's been given the Everton man of the match. Uh, probably get the man of the match nationally, I would have thought. I thought he had an exceptional game. And we're going to speak about him in more detail after the short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast, where we're going to have a, have a chat about um, the re-emergence of Fabian Delph. And, and this, this is a, a cautionary tale, I think, because it's important not to get to get carried away with, with, with Fabian Delph in terms of you know, he's, he's come back for 45 minutes against Wolves where he made a difference and was probably our best player in the second half at Molyneux. And then we see him against against Spurs today. And like I said before the break, he was probably our man of the match. Um, I think I think he, he acquitted himself really well. Say so he, he got booked, which was which was always going to happen, I think. Um, but he, he's brought a, a semblance of calm to the side, which which some might find might find surprising. Uh, but, but Peter, what, what are your thoughts on on Fabian Delph in, in the last sort of couple of weeks or so since he's come back in? Do you, do you think it's been a case of Delph has done really well, or is it, is it a case of? And this is not me slagging off, by the way. I'm just trying to obviously form form a discussion on it. Or do you think it's because we've been so poor because he's done the simple thing as well? He stood out. I. I... I sort of think it's a weird combination of the the, the latter, really. I, I think one we can't get too excited about, you know, two games um, and not two full games either. I mean, I think in the Wolves game when he came on, we were that terrible. You could have stuck a blue shirt on me, um, and that midfield would have been improved. Um, so, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's it's difficult to take too much stock from from that game, and then. You know, uh, today I, I said to the the guy that sits next to me, it was probably the best performance I've seen Fabian Delph put in um, at, at Everton. So at the same time, I think <sighs> I mean I don't like to say it about about an Everton player, but I think a lot of Evertonians would say he's been very poor when when he's played for us. He's been very very poor. Um, so all of a sudden. You know, to see him composed, using the ball well, not giving it away, playing the right pass, having a positional sense. He, he put himself in for quite a few tackles today. I, I felt a lot of those things were quite uncharacteristic. So the Fabian Delft that I've seen in an Everton shirt picks the balls up, picks the ball up and sprays it about 40 yards out of play. Um, 
you know, the, the Fabian Delfam used to say, and I think cost us three points at Newcastle when um, after conceding a goal, he gives he gives them the ball straight back and they go up the other end and end up scoring. So, you know, I, I, for me, he's, he needs to do this consistently now, uh, and he needs to stay fit. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground and not get too excited. I think part of me thinks the most positive note is, you know, he might be finding a bit of form at the right time, and if that, you know, stops the rot. And gets us winning again, or gets us playing a decent style of football again until Decore can come back into that team. Then I'll take that. But I certainly don't think he's um, he's going to be our next Gareth Barry. Um, you know, I, you know, it's it's it, it's not it's not personal, but I I just think he's been an extremely poor signing for us, and it's almost a case of too little, too late for me. I'm he's it, a bit like Alex Awobi for me. It shows flashes of. You know, a talented footballer every now and then, but just can't seem to do it consistently enough. But I'm uh, I'm open to other views. <laughs> what do you think, Phil? I know we, we had a, a brief a brief chat before we started today about about Delph. Um, and like like Pete said, there the, the biggest concern with 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 him is is obviously his injury record. Now we we've seen for too long since he's been at the club how many times he he's been out injured from a variety of injuries. You know his latest one, a dislocated shoulder, and it, it's never it's never sort of like a little niggle here and there. It's always a medium term, you know, six eight weeks injury, and then you know you don't see him again. They'll come back and he'll tweak something again, and you know is that the biggest concern because you know it. He's one of those players, isn't he? Since he's come to the club, he's never really, I don't think, what you what you probably call embrace what the club's all about. Maybe uh, he's not being one for sort of interaction with fans, should we say? I mean, even today, he goes off on the hour, gets a standing ovation, which was which was totally deserved, by the way. As we as I say, we thought he was a standout man. Doesn't acknowledge the crowd as he goes off. Maybe that's just me, the romantic in me, thinking that if you're if you're getting applauded, you should be getting a bit of a, a bit of something back. Uh, but it's the biggest concern centred around the fact that you know he comes in for maybe a couple of games, might put in a half decent shift, and then we don't see him for, for another sort of two or three months. I think Fabian Delves' Everton career, I think, will always be what if with him. I think when he when he came. I was in the ascendance of what Pete said. I thought he could be like a Gareth Barry, whether it's because of the Man City affiliation, whether it's because of the position he plays in. I just thought for eight million or what, seven, eight million to snip for, for the experience he's now got under Pep. I just think with, with Delph, the inconsistency again, what with what you both said, I think he's got like an arrogance about him, like I'm only here because I've been, you know, City don't want me anymore and better than better than Everton. Um, as how he assembles himself. I think, again, saying that, we hadn't seen him for about three or four months. And again, he was on the bench against City at Goodison and he's chatting with the players when we've been beaten by City. That didn't go down well and then he wasn't seen again for three, four, five weeks. And how can you get injured if you're on the bench? I, I didn't get that. Um, I think with Delph and, and Everton fans, as you two well know, is things can be forgotten about very quickly if you're willing to buy into what we are. I think, again, let's not get carried away. He hasn't even played two full games the last two. But I think Everton fans can see a player in there. And Everton fans will give you a chance if you're willing to 
you know, give something back. Um, as in, what I mean, what I mean by that is um, about the Alex Alex Awobi, um comparison. I think with Awobi, um I think he's got something in there, Awobi, but I don't think he believes in himself. I think Delph is just a pivot. That's what he is. He can't do anything else. Um, and he's very good at it when he's consistent. As again, for the hour, I thought, I don't think he gave the ball away much. I think he spread the ball from side to side. He wasn't chewing on it. It was quite crisp, even with his right foot at times. He played a couple of good three balls to, to Seamus Coleman. But I just got this thing about Fabian Delph, where I think he thinks he's better than Everton. I think he's had that everywhere he's been. Obviously, at Leeds, Aston Villa. No one's really like... You, what I mean is you'll never see a child with Delph on the back of the shirt. He's not a likeable character, is he, by the by the fans? Um, but is he doing this now, this last couple of games, to earn himself another 12 months? And then he's got his feet under the table again. Um, he's safe for 12 months. Um, because I said I said it before, and there was no not many disgruntled fans when the sub was made. It was, you know, the fans are quite aware, you know, we have to wrap him up in cotton wool. Um, he hasn't played for a long time, 45 Monday, and now or today. Um, you know, I, I just... You're just always thinking. You're looking to see on your, you know, the Twitter or Everton if he's going to be injured for the next game. I just don't think he's very, <laughs> he's very likable within the fan base. But that can change if you do give a consistent performance, um, in how he plays. Again, I'm like you, Mike. It was right in front of me. I just wanted him to give us a clap. You know, I very rarely, you know, I'll stand up and and, and applaud all the subs, um. Because they're wearing blue at the end of the day, we all want the best for Everton. Um, but when you don't see it back, it's kind of kind of frustrating. And I think that's like the the arrogant side uh, side of some of the players. And again, like I said before, touched on it before. Um, I'm not sure he's someone who gets us, you know, as a fan base and as a club. I think, like I said, I think he thinks he's better than than what we are. Yeah, and, and and I get that with him. I, I do. Um, you, you don't see many many posts from him. On social media, which is centered around Everton or training, it's a lot of it's about his dogs and this and that, and and that's listen, listen, that's that's no issue. People have got their own lives outside of football, and and he could be one of those one of those players who there's a few of them around who, who literally don't like football. So yet they they're good at it and it's their job, but they won't go home and watch football. You know, they they'll just go in and do the job, they'll train, and then they'll play, and then that that's them done. I think Michael Essien was one of those players, wasn't he? You, you said that after after you retired, he wouldn't watch football. Uh, when he, after you retired, doesn't really like it as a sport. So it, it, you know we can have those kind of players, but I think when you see someone who was who was brought in in, in 19, 2019, 20, and in that time up to up to obviously the, the game against Spurs, he's he's made twenty seven appearances in you know in that time. That's incredible, really, isn't it? You know, you so you it's two full seasons and. 11 games if you like which he's not you know he's appeared in 27 of those games and that's why you know Everton fans just can't take to him it's because we just don't see him we don't see him like you mentioned there Phil maybe there's a sense of arrogance maybe there was a sense of you know I'm too good for this team I could still be playing at Man City I don't know we don't know the fella do we so it's it's really hard to sort of pass comments on on individuals that you don't know personally but from what we can gauge, yeah, he's just not one of those fellas who really embraces the club. And 
it's it's really really hard when you see him put in a performance like we've seen today, especially where he was a standout player. Anthony Gordon, I thought, had a decent game as well. We've mentioned the Charles and the, 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 the two centre-halves who, who were good. But I think Fabian Delft, rightly so, has been highlighted as being man of the match. I think when you see him do that, you think, well, where have you been for the last two and a half years? You know, why haven't we got, we haven't got that Fabian Delph at our disposal, uh, at our disposal more often? And that's that's the frustrating thing because we know that he can probably do it, but he's just not there. It's not consistent, or he's injured, and that's the most frustrating thing. And I think it's really difficult for us to pin our hopes now. If, if we're looking right, okay. When's the core back? I mean, the manager said maybe a week or two after the international break. So you potentially got him for, for City, Brentford, maybe even the Derby. We just don't know, obviously, the, the recovery time of, of uh, Abdullah Decore. But can we, can we really, you know, I find it hard to pin my hopes on Fabian Delph, you know, doing a job for the next, say, four or five weeks. When I th- it really, the back of my head, I'm thinking over this, this international break now, he's going to get injured. And come, come Man City, he won't be in the squad. That's what I think at this moment in time. And I can't shift that. And that's why I find it really difficult to, to think, well, we're right now. If we look look forward, you know, to, to those games, it gives gives ourselves a bit of a fighting chance because we, we've cracked it in terms of the personnel that the manager picked today. It worked and we, we looked, we look, you know, a, li- a bit more difficult to beat. Um, if field wasn't getting overran all the time, as we've seen over the course of the season. And we're on to something. And that that's the that's the big concern, really. Uh, but you've got you know you've got it, you've got to give him praise for for coming back in, and and doing a good job, and bringing as I say that that bit of calm to our midfield when it's been it's been our Achilles heel for such a such a, a long time. Even you know when when we've got the Corey and Allen, we still do get overran at times. But the fact that the Corey is very good at what he does, and can often do the the work of two men. You know we get away with things sometimes, and and that's that's the big thing, isn't it? But um, we'll see. You know, fingers crossed he can stay fit because if he does stay fit, he can bring something to the table. But I'm not sure it's going to be enough to to win him a new a new contract in the in the longer term because he's up in the summer, isn't he? So I think that'll be the the end of him. But you know, let let's hope let's hope he can show he can show something for for the remainder of the season as well. Um, but. We'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, let's see how, how that goes. But we, we'll we'll revisit this when we've uh, when the city game comes around to see if, he, if he's actually in the squad. We, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But that's all for this week, lad. Anyway, really really enjoyed that. It's it's nice to have a have a bit more of a positive upbeat chat after a, a decent Everton performance against against Spurs. Long long may that continue. The fireworks are going off outside my house to celebrate the uh, the nil nil draw. It seems. Um, so apologies if you can hear if you can hear those rockets going off. Um, but yeah, great, great to have you on, Phil. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks, lads. Thanks very much again. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And we will be back post international break, um, post Man City to to look back at the really difficult City game. Uh, don't think we've got nothing pending before then. Might do. Might throw a B side in. You never know. Might put something into into the mix. But if not, we'll we'll speak to you. Postman City, so we'll catch you there. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.